Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for May 10th, 2023. How the strong labor market is impacting inflation. The consumer price index was hotter again in April. From higher gasoline prices and high services costs that continue to put a squeeze on households. This comes on the heels of a stronger than expected jobs report for April, which showed yet another jump in wages for workers. This is Brian Kirk, and today we'll be diving into how the tight labor market continues to push up inflation despite the Fed's sharp rate tightening over the past year. And joining us today are nationwide senior economist Ben Ayers and economist Daniel Vilhaber. Hey Ben, let's start with you. But before we get into the connections between the labor market and inflation, can you walk us through what the April CPI report showed us on inflation trends? And was there any good news for consumers this time? Well, we did see a relatively hotter print for the CPI in April, up 0.4% for both the overall CPI and the core CPI measures. Uh, and particularly with the overall CPI, which was only up 0.1% in March, certainly an uptick again in the overall costs across the economy. Um, in particular, we saw a jump in gasoline prices, which we, you know, kind of downside for March and then saw the, unfortunately, the upside for that in April. And that really helped to push up the overall CPI. And it, that did offset some good news, I think, on the food cost side of things. Um, prices at grocery stores dropped for the second straight month uh, as food costs start to really unwind some of those disruptions that we've seen over the past couple of years caused by the pandemic. Now, and that's the second straight month, again, of a decline there, uh, still up 7.1% on a year-over-year basis. So still, you know, when you think back to how much you were paying at the grocery stores a year ago, it's still up a lot. Um, but that year-over-year measure was up to 13% last summer. So certainly seen some easing of costs and actually some outright price declines here over the past couple months. And maybe that'll help to ease some of the burdens that we see from an expense standpoint for many households. So while there was some positive news, there also was some negative news. Um, the core CPI remained highly elevated at 5.5% on a year-over-year basis, really only a slight tick down from where we were in March. And obviously that's still far above where the Fed would like it to be in that two to two and a half percent range. And when you dive into the details of it, a bit of a mixed bag again, um, core goods actually saw a pop. We've talked a lot for a while about how core goods have really seen some very strong disinflation and some outright deflation among some of the core goods categories. Now that didn't play out in, in April. We saw a renewed surge in used car prices uh, and some other increase in cost for apparel. Uh, and other items on the good side of things. So it seems like that much of the disinflation that really helped to bring the overall CPI down from you know, the 9% that we had last summer down to the 4.9% on a year-over-year basis that we had in April, much of that disinflation may have already played out. And so this could be an interesting area to watch going forward. Do we see a renewed increase in goods cost, or does this help to continue start to ease the inflation story? Um, diving a little deeper, we saw the shelter costs, which is mainly your housing and rental cost components, that rose a further 0.4%. So that's still sizably above average and over 8% up on a year-over-year basis. Um, but that 0.4% was actually the weakest monthly increase that we've seen for shelter costs since last January. Uh, so, you know, still a little hotter than we'd like it to be, 
um, but maybe some light at the end of the tunnel that we're starting to see. We've already seen reported falling rent and housing prices starting to finally flow into the CPI calculations, and maybe that presents actually a little bit more downside for shelter costs as we look over the rest of the year. And I would say another slight positive as well, uh, many of the other service areas that we look at, whether it's transportation services, medical care services, that also showed a little bit of cooling in April too, a bit of a surprise given what was a, a reported jump in average hourly earnings during April. Um, so you know, it's a little bit more positive news there. It's too early to get too excited about you know maybe some easing of service costs, but maybe it tells us that some of the pressure is easing on service costs more broadly. And yet again, maybe that helps to cool those inflation measures as we look over the next couple months and over the rest of the year. You, know, you step back, look broadly across the April uh, CPI report. I think it does provide support that that inflation is cooling, um, but there are still areas where inflation remains hot. And certainly there's pockets, particularly on the service side of things, where maybe we saw a little bit weaker number in April, um, but still on a year-over-year -year basis, well above average, much higher than we'd like to see. And this tells me that as we look forward for the next couple months and really over the rest of 2023, it's going to be hard to see these annual inflation numbers really fall off very sharply. I think from month to month, just as we saw this month, where we only went from 5% down to 4.9 for the overall CPI and from 5.6 down to 5.5 for the core CPI, it's going to be a little bit harder to roll those numbers off and get to a lower inflation reading. We're still going to get downward pressure, um, but I think even by the end of the year, you're still talking about some relatively elevated inflation readings. Thanks, Ben. It's a good rundown there. And of course, you mentioned the services inflation, which continues to be a focus for the Fed. Daniel, you've been closely following this so-called super core inflation that has been a favorite of Fed Chair Powell. Can you remind our audience what that measurement represents and how did it do in April? Yeah, sure. So just to make sure we're all on the same page here, the super core is core services, less rent. So services, inflation, less food and energy, and also less rents. And that gives us a closer look at price growth and in service industries. The most recent reading is still quite elevated, but down to 5% for the first time in over a year. It's being driven most by transportation, where inflation is still over 11%. And although it seems a little silly to talk about it this way when inflation is over 11%, that was the slowest growth since last summer, so at least it appears to be on its way down. Other areas in the super core where inflation is still very strong, and in fact climbed in April, are recreation services and the nebulous other services category, which includes industries like auto repair, repair for other machinery, and personal and laundry services. The decline in the overall super core measure came to, due to declines in inflation for transportation, which we've already discussed, as well as medical care services and hotel and motel fees. Daniel, let's stay with you for this next topic then. Several of the industries that you mentioned are seeing rapid wage growth. We saw average hourly earnings jump again in April, while the unemployment rate dropped below 3.5%. What details can you provide us on the state of wage gains right now and how that connects with parts of inflation that remain too hot? Yeah, so as you alluded to, there is a significant overlap between areas of high inflation in the super core and strong wage growth. In transportation, for example, we're seeing significant wage growth for truckers and bus drivers driving up their transportation costs. Overall wage growth in trucking is well over 5%, and for some of the more specialized trucking categories, it's as high as 7.5%. And, 
And that's similar to what we're seeing for ground tra other ground transportation like buses and cabs. The same goes for wages and recreation services like gyms and various sports facilities, or even things like amusement parks or performing arts facilities. All of these are seeing very elevated wage growth. Now, it's interesting to note that most of these jobs are so-called low-skilled jobs, and that's what we're seeing when we look at more granular wage data. The Atlanta Fed wage tracker is showing faster wage growth for low-skilled jobs than for high-skilled jobs for the first time on record during a period of high wage growth, which highlights that the very tight labor market is the tightest in service industries, where many of the jobs to be had are typically in that low-skill category. Now, to be clear, all skill levels are still seeing strong wage growth, but typically the higher the skill necessary for a job, the faster the wage growth in times when wages are climbing rapidly. And this has been flipped to some extent in the current market. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate that. Ben, back to you. We've seen some signs of cooling labor conditions, but not as much as expected given where we are in the business cycle right now. Now, I see that you brought your crystal ball into the studio with us today. Can you take a look inside of it? Let us know what you see. What is your outlook for hiring, for wages, and unemployment in the coming months? And what does that mean for inflation? Sure, yeah, I did bring my crystal ball. It's it's still a little fuzzy, I think, given all the cross currents that we're facing right now within the economy. But you know, we are seeing anecdotal evidence that the labor market is cooling off. Um, job openings have declined in recent months. Um, we've seen a, a sizable uptick in initial jobless claims. And, and of course, there's many headlines out there in the past couple months about layoffs in, in many sectors, particularly focused on the tech sector. But even recently, we've seen with what's going on in the banking sector, seeing some of those uh, in the financial sector, seeing some layoffs there as well. So we are seeing general signs that the labor market is cooling off. Um, but it's just a, such a tight point that we only come down a little bit. And so because of that, there's still probably some runway left for hiring and for wage growth in the months ahead. You know, what we're seeing right now is businesses are saying maybe we're not going to hire as many workers or particularly if maybe a worker leaves, we're not going to replace them right away. Um, but we're still probably a little ways away from really seeing widespread layoffs. And, and so far to this point, any reported layoffs, we've heard that most of those folks have been able to find a new job relatively quickly. Uh, you know, the unemployment rate dropped to 3.4% in April, yet again, emphasizing the very tight labor market. And we're likely to still see a quite low unemployment rate probably over the rest of the second quarter and, and maybe even over the rest of the summer and into the third quarter as well. So we might see it uptick a little bit, but I still think by the end of the summer, you're talking about an unemployment rate in the mid to higher threes, which is a very low rate relatively to history and still speaks to the continued tightness that we're likely to see within the labor market. So maybe we'll see some weaker job gains over the summer. Maybe we'll see wage growth continue to cool a little bit um, and see those year-over-year -year numbers start to fall down below 4%, maybe into the threes or so from a wage growth perspective but really not much that's going to really start to impact consumer activity to a strong degree and make that take a hard turn downward. And I think consumers are still going to spend pretty solidly on services this summer. You know, people have already booked trips. They're still going to take those trips. They're still going to go out and do things this summer because they have pretty good wage gains. Most of them have jobs. And so because of that, uh, we don't see a big change off in demand in the very near term. Um, but maybe as we go to the fall, we, we could see some change in behavior at that point. 
in particular, again, if we start to see things rolling over a little bit further on the labor market, maybe unfortunately we see a month or two of actual job declines, or in particular, we just start to see again, some further easing of labor market conditions. And maybe at that point is where we'll start to see demand fall off more sharply. And as a consequence, start seeing some cooler inflation numbers. Um, but you now it's still several months away and there's still a lot to play out as we look over the next couple of months. And so you add to me, that means that there's still probably some sizable pressure on prices across the economy with many businesses are actually right now cutting back on inventories and cutting back on supply. And if we don't see that reduced demand till later this year, even in the near term, there still could be a little bit too much demand relative to the amount of supply of goods and services out in the economy. And that usually means slightly higher prices. You know, I think services inflation is still the focus and that should remain higher over the rest of the summer. Um, and that's going to prevent that, particularly that core inflation from dropping quite sharply. And so I think by the time you get to the end of the year, you're still talking about a core CPI measure for a little higher, uh, you know, right now we're five and a half percent. So that is a cooling uh, down, going down to maybe four a little bit higher, but still that's much higher than where the Fed would like it to be and much higher than kind of the 2% average that we've seen for particularly core inflation over the rest of the year. You know, you think about goods inflation, that could see a bump as well as we look and maybe see one final spending spree before we start to see the the labor market start to roll over. And so yet again, I think both the overall CPI and the core CPI, probably about 4%, um, and maybe a little lower, a little bit above that, but still that, that's much higher than what we'd like to be from an inflationary perspective. It's nearly double the long-term average and suggests that we're not out of the woods yet on, on the inflation front. Well, thanks, Ben. I know earlier you mentioned people planning their vacations for the summer. I know that the Fed will not be planning a vacation during the middle part of June as they'll be having their next meeting at that time. So looking ahead, I mean, how could the April CPI report influence the Fed's decision to pause or continue with rate hikes at that next meeting? Yeah, I think the the April CPI report came in largely as expected um, as far as there was expecting to be a pop and gasoline prices, we already knew that was going to occur. We expected that on the services side and the shelter side, there might still be some extra pressure there. So I don't really think this report by itself moves the needle much for the Fed in June. Um, we do get another CPI report just as the Fed starts to meet next month. And I think that update plus what we're gonna get another May jobs report um, with, you know, maybe that's a little hotter, maybe that's a little cooler. We expect that those are both gonna have a very key role and how the Fed looks at their policy when the FOMC does meet next month. You know, at this stage, I agree with general consensus that a pause in interest rate increases by the Fed is most likely, um, but they've emphasized how de data dependent they're going to be. And if the data in coming weeks surprises to the upside, maybe we see jobless claims continue to go down, maybe see a reversal of the uptrend, see that go downward. Um, yeah, again, maybe we see some other signs that prices are continue to rise across the economy. Um, I think that does bring another rate hike into play in June. Uh, it's just a lower probability at this point. And I think when you look at the April CPI report, it doesn't really push us strongly in the direction of a further rate increase. Um, but it certainly didn't rule one out either. And so at this stage, I think it's a rate cut is not on the horizon, um, at least in the very near term future. But I think either a pause or maybe a lower likelihood of another rate hike is what we most likely expect in mid-June. Hey, Ben, thanks again for that outlook. We'll be watching this really closely in the weeks ahead on this podcast. It's been a great discussion today on the latest trends for inflation and definitely uh, more to come. So to our audience, tune in next time. 
and make sure you subscribe to get notified as soon as each new episode is released. Until next time, for our Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023. Nationwide.